1: Thomas Moore comes back to the Authentic Living Show for the third time today to talk to us about his latest book, Ageless Soul, The Lifelong Journey Toward Meaning and Joy. As you know, Moore is the best-selling author of Care of the Soul, a book that changed the world at a core level, for after his book changed us, we began to be willing to invite soul into our lives. Today, we will talk with him about the soul of the aging process. This process is one which most of us fear at some level and one which our society tries to youth in eyes. We're constantly trying to find ways to make and keep ourselves young, all in avoidance of the sacred processes relative to aging. So today we're going to learn a new way. Stay with us. You don't want to miss this. Welcome, Tom, to the Authentic Living Show. Appreciate you talking with us again today.
2: Thank you, Andrea. I'm really looking forward to talking to you once again.
1: Okay. Well, first I want to thank you uh, publicly. Thank you for writing the foreword to my latest book, and I really do appreciate that. It's beautifully written, and I am so very grateful that you did that.
2: Well, it's a wonderful book. I was just thinking about it today. What what an inspired idea to talk about the problems so many of us have with being good.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much again. But let's talk about your book now. Ageless Soul, The Lifelong Journey. I've enjoyed reading what I have read of that book, and uh, it is is really beautifully written. So what made you decide to write this particular book?
2: Well, one reason is that next month I I turn 77, so I've got to deal with this thing. And one of the best ways I have for dealing with issues in my life is to write a book about them.
1: Yep, I can relate to that.
2: Yeah, you have to reflect on them. You have to reflect on these things and sort things out, and it really helps.
1: Okay, all right.
2: But I don't want to leave all it at that, because I want to say yeah. that I've been a therapist for so long, many, many years now, 40 years. And, you know, you know my, my assumption in this book is what everybody knows and everyone says is that we're all aging no matter what, what years we have, you know, I mean, how old we are. And that's true. So I wanted to write for everybody, not just older people. although so there is an accent on, on older people. But as a therapist, I wanted to be able to look with a fresh eye on so many of the issues that come up as we get older.
1: Yeah. So the whole thing is a process, a lifelong process, is what you're saying.
2: Yes, that's the first thing that you know. People, I mean, children are aging, and they have to go through passages of aging. But one interesting thing happened with me recently. I was I was recording this book for audio, the audio version and the two people who were the technicians helping me out were young people and after after we finished and they had heard the whole book i mean you know pretty intensely as i was reading it that whole time for 3 days i asked them if it had any relevance to them one was 28 and one was 29 and they both said yes because they are approaching 30 and that was like a looming thing over them you know to, to turn 30 i think we forget those of us who are older that Uh, You don't have to be an old person to have to deal with aging.
1: Good point. Very good point. Yep. So why do you think we are so afraid of it? Well, there's so many reasons. I think
2: the main one is we're afraid of loss of capacity. Uh, We're afraid of, you know, getting sick and being dependent on people and uh, not being able to do the things that we've always done. Those are things that really worry us, I think, and of course, looming in the background of the whole thing is the shortness of life. So yeah. um, there's a lot, to, there's a lot to not to like about aging, but um, I'm an optimist, and uh, I think that there are a lot of uh, things to like about aging, and that's what I'm writing about.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to quote you here. You said uh, that in order for us to enjoy and thrive in all of our older years, with a positive outlook and creativity in all areas of life. We have to ripen at every stage in life. What do you mean by ripening at every stage?
2: Well, I think that's that's one of the key ideas in this book, is that aging is not just spending time. It's not just saying, okay, I've added up a few more years. To age, I think to age means that you actually become more of who you are capable of. You actually move, you evolve. You become somebody uh, in, a, in a deeper, bigger way than you were before. If you don't do that, you get older, but you don't really age. And um, so I think that to to age well, especially in the later years, it helps if you've really lived. So, you know, all of us get challenges, and it is possible to avoid them. I, I quote uh, Joseph Campbell in here because Campbell talked about the hero's adventure where. You know, the hero is called to go on an adventure, and we all are, the adventure of our lives. And um, the hero can say no, can say no, I, I'm afraid, or I don't have time for this, or it's too much for me. And I think whenever we do that, and maybe we all do it at certain times, we miss the opportunity to age at that point. And then we get old, when we get older, we have these gaps in our past that stick with us. Those failures to age are with us, and we 're sort of fixated we 're immature in certain ways that 's what I mean by we don 't ripen we don't we don 't mature the way we need to and that shows up as we get older. I think you can do something about it as you get older if you become aware of it but it's a it's a challenge it 's something that um, that I do with clients in therapy is that we go back and see those places where we just said no to the opportunities and now we have to um, go
1: and do some work on them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I see this. I mean, uh, a lot of people see this real clearly when we talk about um, alcoholism, for example, this thing that you're talking about, not maturing. Um, when someone becomes, a, they say that when, you, when somebody first starts being an alcoholic or a drug addict, that's when their emotional maturity stops because they're yeah. not challenged emotionally after that. So mm-hmm. that would be a, a, one of those things they'd have to go back and get once they get into recovery. That's what you're that's talking right. about. Tomorrow. That's exactly
2: yeah. right. That's, a, that's one example among many, and it's a good one. Because yeah. we, what happens is that instead of going on your own adventure, your own life, your destiny, you know, going into it, you opt out, and you opt out by... Becoming attached to some substance, or you can be attached to a lot of different things. We call it addiction. It's a kind of avoidance, really, an avoidance of life. So as you get older, then when you when your older years come, um, you do have to go back. I think you can do it, but it's, it's really a job to go back and try to live through some of those things that you avoided uh, in the early period.
1: Yeah so uh, uh I know that the, the listening audience is asking this, how do we go back and and look at something we avoided
2: uh well you uh you can do that by going over the timeline of your life. I think that's a really good exercise. I do it in workshops um, we You go over your lifeline, your time different periods you know, um one of the things that I mentioned in this book is that. I quote Emerson, who says that we don't really live in a straight line. We, we're not always going straight in a straight line toward you know, our old age. We, we live in, in uh, a series of passages, through passages and plateaus and levels. I think that's true if you think about it, that, you know, you live for maybe uh, several years at one level, and then something happens, you need a new, you want a new job, or you move, or, you get married or you leave a relationship, something like, something happens that really changes the character of that period of time. So we we go through these passages, and when you look back, if, you, if you've avoided some of them because they were too much of a challenge or you just weren't ready for them, then in older years you can look back at them, and you have to retell those stories, and you have to Really feel what was going on and get some insight into what was happening, and as you do that, you actually can, I think, overcome most of the of the gap, uh, deal with it pretty much. But it takes some time, and it's got to be done with some intensity. Otherwise, you know, you can't do it in a superficial way. That's what therapy is about. It's about uh, going intensely and looking at and experiencing. Uh, Those periods that you avoided in the past, because in a way, the past is always present. So when you do that, you're actually dealing with the present. And so you can actually um, handle some of the things going on in your current life uh, in a way that is more mature than you would have if you just stayed in your, your older patterns.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I, I I think you've said this in the books uh, as well that you know, we we want to look back at those things without judgment. We don't want, we want to look at them, but we don't want to judge ourselves or beat ourselves up for those those times we said no. Um, right. But to l- look at them with empathy. Now, I'm trying to
2: speak about them that way too. I'm not trying to speak about them as oh, you know, you're so bad because you didn't do that. It's not that. I think we all can say no, and we often do, for one reason or another. And anyone, I think, can look back on your life and say, well, there was a moment that I missed, or there was a time when I was too afraid to really take a chance and, and really live. I could have made a better choice. Mm-hmm. I, I could, I mean, I've, I've got probably 25 of those just on the tip of my tongue, <laughs> to <laughs> Tell you for my own life. So I think we all go through them, and it's it's just a waste of time and a waste of energy to, to judge yourself for them and feel bad about them. That doesn't help. Feeling yeah. bad is just it's a way of avoiding really doing something about them. So you yeah. don't feel bad about them. You just go into and say, well, look what I did. What, what a stupid thing. Now, I'm not going to do it anymore, and I'm going to fix this up because what happened there in the past is still operating today,
1: and I'm going to change this right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Beautifully said. So uh, one of the things that I I noticed, I noticed you quoted Emerson a couple of different times. And since I love Emerson so much, I wrote down a few of those quotes uh, that I loved. One of them was he he called, he says, there's such a thing as an event clothed in in the soul. And I really love that poetry there. And um, what do you think he means by that? And how do you think it might change modern psychology if we use this idea that the events of our lives are clothed in the soul? Oh,
2: wow. That's a huge, huge topic. It's, a, it's my whole life work, you know.
1: Well, we have what an I've hour What I've been doing you for years up. is
2: try to, to explore that idea. Um, the thing is, today, one of the biggest problems with aging today is the culture we live in. We treat each other as objects. Uh, the professions, I mean, like medicine, psychology... Uh, politics, uh, everything we treat each other as objects. We, people go to school to study psychology and they study quantifications you know they study how to measure people uh, groups of people and that kind of thing it 's dehumanizing and so um, what we 've done is we have ignored we 've cut away the fact that a human being has tremendous depth and infinite possibility and that Depth and possibility is part of what we mean by soul. So we have taken the soul away from human beings. Now, Emerson, I think, is saying that the events of our lives, yeah, you can look at them on the surface and see, see what they meant in the terms of the, of the ongoing history of our lives, but you can also look more deeply at the history of your soul. Like, who, who were you when you were born? What kind of person were you? What kind of influence has your family and your culture had on you? And uh, uh, what are your possibilities? What, what are the, your innate, inborn desires, uh, things you'd like to accomplish in life, and things that really fulfill you? Those are inborn, and that's part of your life of soul. So the events of our lives are, can, um, can be looked at from the soul point of view, and they're, they're vast in comparison, and they are very, very deep.
1: Yeah, one could say that they're trying to push us to a little bit to, these events are trying to push us a little bit more to be more involved with our souls.
2: The events are an opportunity. I mean, by by events, I mean almost anything that happens in our lives. It's an opportunity to look at the story. You know, we tell the story of those events. It's a story that's so important. And that's why therapy is so valuable, because you go into therapy and you tell your story and you hear yourself telling your story. Your therapist, one hopes, is good at listening to your story and helps you tell it even better. Mm-hmm. And you repeat your story, and all that time, the events of your lives are, are becoming more complex, and you, you, see, you see more about them. You see that your life is layered. You have many layers and levels. You're not just a surface kind of person. So you explore those things and you find out that, wow, you know, my life has been so rich. Even the things that didn't work out well add to the richness of it. If everything were just neat and perfect, what an uninteresting story it would be to tell. It's those those difficulties that really make the story fascinating and actually in an odd sort of way propel us ahead. And... and uh,
1: Make us who we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Make us who the, who we are. Yeah. So uh, uh, we only have a, just a few minutes before the break, but I want to sort of start talking about this. You say that we can become more spiritual and more filled with wonder as we age, if we have thought long about our lives as we grow. And you've even said that illness can be a catalyst for wonder and for deeper questions. Can you talk just a little bit about what you mean by that?
2: Yes, well, the first point is that as we get older, um, we have more experience. We, we, we've had to reflect on events, and therefore, it's almost a natural thing to become more spiritual as you get older, because of the wonder, because of the... Uh, you begin to ask the big questions, like, what is the meaning of my life, and where is it all headed, and... What, what, what about all these decisions I made and what sense can I make of the mistakes that I've made? All of that is tremendous wonder. It's just so great. And that's contemplation. It's a form of meditation. I think it's that kind of conversation, even when you're just talking with friends and family members, that's a spiritual activity when, you, when you're looking seriously at your life. It's a wonderful way to start a kind of old age spirituality. And then the second thing you you mentioned about sickness, I based that on, I wrote another book earlier about uh, the soul of medicine, and one of the things I did was talk to a lot of people in hospitals, and many told me that the sickness brought things, brought something good into their lives, they began to think about what was important to them, and they made decisions to to be better, to do better work, to uh, resolve relationship problems, things like that, so even sickness can have this interior impact that uh, that ages you in a very good way
1: yeah yeah and and spirituality itself has to do just with the depth of experience is that how you're defining spirituality
2: yes i am i think that we miss very often the depth we go for the height you know we want to we want to talk about the angels and miracles and things at a very high level, but the depth of our spirituality is equally important. And that is, yeah, the deep uh, significance of the of the story of our lives and the things we've been through, and the uh, the way we can communicate with each other, especially people who are close to us about those things, if so we can have real conversations. That depth is a kind of spirituality.
1: Right. Okay. So we're going to talk some more about what that means to be spiritual and how to more ensole soul your life through the aging process as we come back right after the break. Stay tuned for more right after this.
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
3: I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and Freshly delivers to my home and my office, so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout. Try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAE639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save $20 today with coupon code VAE639 at Freshly.com.
4: It's time to eradicate barriers that are holding you back in your relationships and your life
3: We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building. Yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Hidden Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success. And every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: And we're back talking today to Thomas Moore about his book, Ageless Soul, The Lifelong Journey Toward Meaning and Joy, having a good time. And, uh, but before we go any further into that, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, the upcoming Super Soul Sunday show. It is, uh, the, the new shows are going to come back on October the 22nd, but this one is a one that may, uh, you may or may not have seen before. But one of my favorites, author blogger Glennon Doyle Melton has a conversation with Oprah about sharing the truth of one's life. As a key to unlocking a true spiritual connection to others, which is similar to what we're talking about today, the depth experience of, of a connection with other people. And that, that gets unlocked, according to Glennon Doyle Melton, by really sharing what's true about your life. Um, so you want to be there for that. That's going to be September the 17th at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on the OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network. All right, we're talking to Thomas Moore again today about his book, Ageless Soul, The Lifelong Journey Toward Meaning and Joy. And uh, we've, we've covered some really interesting topics, and we're going to go just a little bit deeper. So one of the first things I want to talk about is, you know, the classic old curmudgeon, the, uh, the, the uh, old grandma who's bitter and mean. The uh, the 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 idea of rigidity as people age and what that means in terms of what you're talking about here, with regard to this aging process.
2: Well, yes, this is you know this happens. People as they get older sometimes get uh, pretty fixed in their ways and and can be difficult to be with and have strong opinions and be. Uh, You sense the anger beneath the surface, or sometimes on top of the surface. Um, So it's it's an issue we have to to think about, and there there are many different facets of it. One of them is one I picked up from my friend James Hillman in his book on aging, um, in which he says that uh, sometimes you have to understand that old people, older people, have lived in a different period of time than the current time, a different set of values in different ways, and many of the things that were in that older life were quite valuable, and as they see culture changing, uh, they get upset because they are attached to some of the wonderful things that were part of an earlier life for them, and so some of the anger is due to that uh, change of perspective, and what they're doing, he says, is standing up for values that are very important to them really good values that we've lost so that's a a take on on the anger and the difficulty we find with older people sometimes it's a take that's more positive Mm -hmm. i think that that's worth exploring and thinking about it means we should listen more carefully to what older people are saying even if they say say it in an angry way or a critical way
1: yeah we tend to think of anger as something that we can we can process, but older people shouldn't be angry. They should be nice all the time. <laughs> that's
2: right, exactly. That's a very important point, that, that we have this image that the older person, person should be this kindly person who doesn't get phased by anything. But in fact, that's not the way it is. And if we had, a, 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 for ourselves, had a more open-minded attitude toward anger, and understand that anger often, is telling us when something is wrong. Then we might listen to older people's anger or to their criticisms, If we can, try to be open to it. not easy, but I think it's more difficult if all you do is see the crotchetiness, crotchetiness and you don't see what's behind it. That's what I like about Hillman's idea, that that you have to look beneath the surface and say, what's going on in, in here? And maybe we could ask someone who's angry you know, what are they feeling and what are they seeing that makes them uh, speak the way they do? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's another... Yeah, that's a... Yes, sir. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
2: Uh, There's another way of looking at it, though, and that is that uh, some anger, I think, is not so, so good, you know? There's a... Um, I think as you get older, you realize that you've been angry at many things in the past and you've never had an opportunity to really explore or express the things that you were angry at early on. It's it's interesting, you can find someone in their 60s and 70s who are still angry about something that happened in their 20s and 30s, maybe even earlier. Mm -hmm. So time kind of compresses when you get older, it may seem like it's a long time between you know, old age and adolescence. But actually, when you look at the whole life of a person, those parts of life are very tightly connected. And and even as we get older, we still act out, we still have the same habits and the same patterns, are still fighting the same battles that we had early on. So that's something we're thinking about with anger and um, uh, rigidity in older people, is uh, to realize that some of it, is as I was saying before, is really uh, uh, important values for us to pay attention to. But some of it is old material, old stuff that hasn't been processed enough yet.
1: Yeah, it hasn't been processed enough yet. That's key. And, and uh, you know, I I have, you know, worked with some older people in my practice who are just chomping at the bit to just learn something new and interesting. And it's almost like a new adventure to them. And it's so delightful to to see that kind of energy uh, at, at these really elder ages. Uh, so, uh, you know, that processing, uh, you know, people think once you get old, well, you're done processing. But yeah. it's really not true.
2: Not at all. Not at all. Um, I'm working with some people in their late 80s. And um, I do a lot of dream work in my therapy. And mm-hmm. the dreams are showing us so many Opportunities for new life, to do brand new things in life, to start a new career, almost, and um, wow. so that is happening as well. You're never, never too old to be starting some something new in your life.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well said. I like that, and I think that's. I think that changes the whole idea of aging. Um, you know, that we think of it as a terminal illness that you just, all you're doing is dying when you get to a certain age but when you talk about the possibilities inherent in the soul as it appears in dreams it becomes something entirely different
2: It does, I mean, you, you, you know I'm always kind of shocked when I see these themes coming up Of sometimes people in their dream life they find themselves back at an early stage in their 20s or maybe even their teens. And we wonder, we ask, you know, together we ask, what is this dream doing now to bringing you back to this time of your life? And when we explore it and we, we, uh, we examine that time of life, we realize it was a time of discovery. That, and that suggests that now is also a time of discovery. And the trouble is we have a bias against age. We think that discovery is all over, that now it's all going downhill. I think it's our bias about age that's the problem. It's not age itself.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Yep. Okay, so um, you've also spoken in uh, throughout the book a couple of different times about the graying of the churches. Yeah. Um, so I want to know what uh, I, what impact is that having, and and is there help? Is, does this help the aging process, or is there something else needed?
2: It's a complicated question. Um, I think one thing that the so-called graying of the church is that is a lot of older people being in the established churches now and not, not as many younger people. That's not true of every place, but in many places. Um, I think what, what you're seeing is that, the, that the, what I was suggesting before is that the older people are preserving values that were very important in the prime of their lives. And the times are changing. People are moving away from the established churches in many areas. And the older people don't want to do that. It's so important to them to, to go to church. And I think it's very valuable. I think that they are preserving something that would be terrible if we lost. The importance of organized and institutional religion. I know that that's not popular to say that today. As a matter of fact... I've given workshops on religion. No one has shown shown up, you know, because they're not interested. Um, but I'm very interested in the traditions. and I think that the people, are, the older people, are doing us a great service by keeping those traditions alive. And I hope that I would hope I don't know if it's going to happen, but I would hope that the that the church leaders would see from the graying of the churches that that how important their traditions are, but that they need to be updated, that, that you can't just do things the way you've always done them. I don't understand that. I don't understand that a, a spiritual leader can't see that you can't do the same thing that's been going on for years and years while the world is changing. It just mm-hmm. doesn't work that way. So yeah. I think the, the churches don't have to be graying. They don't have to be, but they are partly because of the leadership.
1: Yeah. So that that creates sort of a divide between young people and older people, and in specifically in religious institutions that would, or just in religion in general, uh, it creates a divide between the older people and the younger people, which doesn't have to be there if there were leadership that could. Uh, kind of uh, bring, the, bring both sides together in, in terms of the ritual and the, and the activities of the church. You know, it
2: would be so easy.
1: It's, you don't have to be, you know,
2: a super genius in order to do that. You just have to look around and see what's going on in the world today. And yeah. don't let your church be a container of old-fashioned ideas and practices. Just for the sake of keeping them. It just is not worth it. Because what you're doing is you're losing all the young people and satisfying older people and maybe keeping them comfortable. But I don't think even older people really need to be kept so comfortable. They they don't have to be protected from change. Uh, I think that's an insult.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And they say that fundamentalism is the very uh, essence of... Of, of trying to hold on to the past, not letting change occur, not opening to the possibility of new ways of doing things. Um, so that would make the churches much more fundamentalist in their approach, would it not? Yes, it would, but
2: with fundamentalism, I, I always want to find something that, that, that explains it in a positive way. And um, I do think it's important to keep the old, the old ideas. You know, that it's so easy to take a traditional idea that's been around for a long time and update it and lose its substance. Very possible. You know, it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So I do think that the fundamentalism serves a purpose. But by, by being too literal and not being just a movement of preservation, it becomes a defensive place where there's a lot of aggression and... Unfriendliness and and exclusivism, all those, those are the problems. I don't think it's maintaining the old ideas. Though that's a very, very important thing to do. It's more that it's done belligerently and uh, unkindly without a sense of community. And that that's, that ruins it.
1: Okay, okay. So it's not the holding on to tradition itself, it's how we hold on to tradition. Exactly. Yeah, okay. You also speak in the book about transcendence as an important aspect of insol- what I call ensouling the aging process. So what do you mean by transcendence? That's a word that gets thrown around a lot. Well,
2: right? I'm, using th- I'm using that word because, I, you know, I, I don't want to keep using the word spiritual, which has come to mean not too much, you know, because it's been overused. But transcendence has a particular um, quality to it. I think there are many ways we can transcend. Uh, transcendence can mean going beyond, beyond. That's what it means, going beyond. So it means going beyond um, the materialism that's part of our culture. That's part of it, of being transcendent, having transcendent ideas and values means that you aren't going to be stuck with the pragmatism and realism and materialism of the culture in which we live. You're going to reach higher than that and farther. You're going to be more utopian. That's a word I like. We're going to be utopian. That is, we're going to try to create the best possible world we can. We're going to transcend the the resignation that's part of contemporary life, that that's no use trying to do anything better. The world's always going to be like this. That kind of defeatism is something that needs transcendence. It needs a big vision, a utopian vision. I think that's what the great spiritual teachers were doing. They were utopians, trying to get us to, to keep our eyes set on a, on, a, on a much better world and a better life.
1: I like that. I like the idea that transcendence has something to do not just with an individual life, but with the collective as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can
2: transcend you know, any time of the day. You, if, you, um, uh, if you discover some new idea in a book, if you hear a talk somewhere, you're listening to the radio and you get this new idea, you have transcended the point where you were before you heard that. That's transcendence. Mm-hmm. You can go to school and, and get involved in transcendence by learning things. Take a walk in the, in the nature and you, you transcend because you see this bigger world. There's so many ways to do that. I think that spirituality has been cut off from everyday life and that's been a big problem. It's important to, that's why I like the transcendentalists like Emerson and uh, Thoreau, because they understand that spirituality is in this world, especially expressed in the natural world.
1: Yeah, okay. so so transcendence, the as you would say, the transcendence, tr- transcendence is anything that allows us to move beyond where we were just a moment ago. Yes. I mean, yeah.
2: not anything, you know, moving, but moving somewhere. Better, you know, it's a place of bigger vision, of better, better values, and uh, more open heart. All those things, opening one one's heart further, is a kind of transcendence as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, so uh, there's a lot to be said in that. That begin that includes the entire process you're talking about with regard to the aging itself, where we go through these passages and transcend the the place we were prior to going through the passage.
2: That's what I'm saying. When you really age, you transcend. When you just get older, there's no transcendence involved.
1: Okay. Beautiful. I like it. Okay. Well, we have some more really serious and important questions to ask, and we're going to be talking about those right after the break. So stay tuned for more right after this.
3: through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We can all use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash empowerment and register for free. Try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor, usually within 24 hours. Get BetterHelp today at betterhelp.com forward slash empowerment.
4: If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, you're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Are you ready to tackle the rules of business? You may think you're doing everything by the book, following your own best practice beliefs, bringing in endless consultants, only to find that your business is not moving forward. That's where you need to stop and figure out where things are going wrong. Enter Business Rules with host Peter Feinstein. Peter and his guests will break it all down for you to help you and your business succeed. Listen Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment.
0: Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: And we're back talking again today with Thomas Moore. His third time to the Authentic Living Show about his latest book, Ageless Soul: The Lifelong Journey Toward Meaning and Joy, and uh, we've been having a very interesting conversation with uh, Thomas about uh, what it means to age and and what transcendence is with regard to the process of aging throughout our entire lives, even from infancy on, and. Uh, So I I want to, before we go any further, though, I want to ask you, Thomas, if you will, to talk to the listening audience about uh, this book and when it's coming out, and also how they might be able to connect with you.
2: Sure. Um, I just received my copy of the actual book today, just today. So the book will be coming out October 10th. It can be bought at any any, uh, source of books then, you know, online or in bookstores. And, um, but you can pre-order it now at any time, and pre-orders really help the book a lot, so that's a good idea. Um, you can reach me personally through my website, which is thomasmoresoul.com that's S-O-U-L, and, um, uh, the, um, the audio version will be coming out as well. I, I spent three days in Boston just two weeks ago reading the entire book into the, the audio, and um, I think that will be a good way for many people to listen to this book. It's I often read uh, just half a book or a portion of a book into audio, but in this case, it's the, every word is there, so I'd recommend that, that to people as well.
1: Oh yeah, audio is a great way to drive to work in traffic. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And you can really listen then, and really tune in and pay attention to what you're hearing. That's right. Okay. And I
2: really tried hard for three days to really address the audience. I just saw them in front of me, and I just wanted to burn these words into their ears.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> well, that'll be uh, that'll be a spiritual experience for everybody who listens. Then I'm sure of it. I hope so. Yeah. All right, you talked about loneliness in the book, and I think that's a really important topic with, throughout a person's lifetime, but also particularly with regard to loss as people age. So how do you recommend that the aging transforms loneliness? Well, there are different ways. Well, the
2: obvious and easiest, I know it's easiest, but the obvious way is to, um, is to, make, uh, to keep making friends. To be a friendly person, I think there's a connection between friendliness and friendship. Friendship is very, very important. The great teachers of the soul throughout history have said that friendship is the most important thing for the life of the soul. So I would, I would say make this your primary value. Not only that, not only give time to your friends and make yourself available to them and really deepen your friendship. Very important. Um, But also, be on the alert. Um, Be a friendly person. I tell a story in this book about somebody I met when I was 19 years old, when I was living in Ireland. An older man, he was about 70 then, uh, who I, I contacted just to give me some information about Irish art. And instead of giving me the information, he said, come and see me. I guess that's a real Irish thing to do anyway, you know, it's very friendly that way. So I went to see him, and we became friends, this older man and and me. I was 19, he was about 70. And what I learned from him was that friendship can be your mode. It can be the mode by which you do everything. You do it with with friendship, and not just officially, but you you bring the, the idea of friendship into your activity. I think that's a good cure for loneliness as you get older. Now my friend wasn't wasn't lonely. I know he wasn't lonely in his older age, because he had so many friends, but he he was the active person. I mean he, he was the one who sought out friendships and knew how to be a good friend. He himself was friend to some of the greatest writers uh, of our time, you know, of the twentieth century. And um he told me a lot, he educated me uh, a lot about, with, with his stories about his friends, but what he didn't intend to teach me, what he did teach me was the importance of friendship as a cure for loneliness. So I think that's one way to go about it in your old age. There's another subtle way of dealing with loneliness in the psychology that I work in. It's called archetypal psychology. We have a little saying that we say we should go into the symptom instead of try to get rid of it. If you have a symptom like loneliness, instead of trying to just get rid of it, what you do is you try to go into it and see what, it, what it's trying to tell you, what it's trying to offer you. And I think loneliness is trying to tell us that we can be alone in important ways, that we need solitude as we get older. That's important to us. Now, it may seem illogical, but if you're feeling lonely, it might help you to find some solitude, to be back in touch with yourself. The way I put it in the book is that maybe the main person you're lonely, if you're lonesome for, is yourself. You need to get back in touch with yourself, and for that you might need some solitude and quiet. So even though it seems strange to put it that way, that's my recommendation. To go with the symptom and see that loneliness is telling you, you need to really be yourself. Be an individual person. Don't just be part of the crowd. Don't just act like any old person. Be yourself. Be old the way you want to be, not the way everybody else
1: is. That's beautiful. I think that's really, really so true. Uh, and, And I think it's... It's one of the gifts that loneliness can give us, absolutely. I completely agree with you that that what loneliness can do for us is tell us that we're missing ourselves and that we need more self in our lives and, uh, and uh, how to get that, how to bring self to the table of every conversation, of every interaction, of every morning when we get up and have our coffee, to bring more self to that. And uh, so... Uh, Thank you for saying that. I think that's really true. And I really loved what you said about friendship, too. I think that's, you know, most people think in terms of aging, the losses we have in, as, in aging as the loss of the significant other, the the primary relationship that we have, and certainly that's a big deal. Uh, we don't want to dismiss the, the power and, and profundity of that, but at the same time, uh to recommend friendship is is such a re, uh, such a thing that's available to us if we're willing to be friendly enough to have friends
2: yes it's it's a quality that you can cultivate for yourself and I think once you realize this that you can do it you can you make that your mode of relating friendship and not not just being official or practical so you don't just if somebody somebody asks you for something, like my friend did, you know, when I asked him, uh, you don't just give them what they need. You befriend them. You do it with friendship. It doesn't have to be the friendship of all time, you know. It, your friendship can be something very simple that lasts only for a few moments, maybe. Or it may be a longer thing. You don't know what it, what it, it might amount to. But I think if you're ready uh, with it, uh, understanding that now, as you get older, especially that this is this is one way in which you can connect with the world and not be so lonely.
4: Yeah,
1: that's that's really rich, very rich indeed. They say the part the the basic component of even a primary relationship is the depth of its friendship. So okay. that's, that's yeah, it. absolutely. Okay, so you ha- here's another quote that, from your book. You said, often people think of spirituality as getting away from this world, and as a result there's something unreal and irrelevant about it. Can you describe that, uh, that, what you mean by that and describe a spirituality that ha- is real and has relevance?
2: Well, personally, I like a spirituality that is, that is really part of life. Um, I don't. I don't know many people who share this idea with me. I have to say, um, for example, when people ask me about my uh, meditation practice, the the truth is that I meditate best at the piano. Um, I play music. I I have sheet music in front of me. I play classical music. I have lots of different composers who actually have had a different take on what life is about, what beauty is, what's beautiful, and. And um, so I play these different composers at the piano, and I, my fingers are part of it, my whole body's in it, and I'm listening with my ears. And I'm making the music, and I'm completely absorbed in it. I think that's part of the goal of meditation, is to kind of lose yourself in something. Well, I lose it in the art, in the in the making of the art, and in the sound, and so on. Well, that's really, that's a spiritual practice that is, so much part of everyday life. You see, it's not, I, I don't go off somewhere by myself to meditate. I sit down at my piano in my home. That's something I feel I learned from Henry David Thoreau, that, that your immediate vicinity and surroundings, your home, the nature around you, uh, that is your world and your spirituality should take that world into account and be based in it, really. Be based in that world in which you live. So it's like a family home spirituality, uh, and I practice that. Uh, that's my practice. It, um, I don't use many big names for it. You know, I I don't have. It's not transcendental meditation. It's not. It's not vipassana. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not mindfulness. You know, it's none of these these general practices. It's it's. Tom playing the piano, you know, that's what it is. You look at him, you say, Well, he's not meditating. That's nothing spiritual about that. I love that. I love that if someone looks at me when I'm engaged in my very important spiritual practice and they don't see it. They say, Where is it? I don't see it. I like that because I think it should be baked into our life, it shouldn't be outside.
1: That is so well said. I agree with you completely. That there's so much that's spiritual that we don't call spiritual because we're not we're not relating to it. And that's what I hear you saying is that you're in a relationship with with yourself at another level when you're playing the piano. That you, that uh, that you you go into yourself at a deeper level, and that's what people describe when they talk about meditation. So that's that's uh,
2: right. It's a, it's a yeah. change of awareness and a change of consciousness. Absolutely. And there's a, a positive loss of self in it, a positive loss of self, not negative.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So one more question before we go. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what when you talk about allowing things to take their course, what does that mean? Oh, well, I get
2: that from the Tao Te Ching from China. That okay. that statement: allow things, let things take their course. Um. What that means is that I think that our contemporary psychology is one of ego and, and the heroic ego, where we feel we have to slay dragons to really be somebody. We have to conquer our passions and, and our, our desires and, and get over our imperfections and all of these things. It's very heroic. And yet, if you read the Tao Te Ching, it's very, I think, very important spiritual text. It, um, it advises us to let things take their course, to let life shape us. See, this is what I mean by aging. You let life shape you. You respond to life. You don't create your life. You don't decide what you want to be and what you should be. You get out of the way and let the experiences of your life shape you. You respond when, when you have an opportunity. You say, okay, I'll be generous. I'm going to, I'll, I'll try it. I'll give this a try. I'm not going to avoid it. Um, and by that, I mean, like, let's say, I, one way I hear this is when people say, I don't like the job I'm in, but it's really risky to, to go try anything else. It's financially risky, for one thing. But a lot of people tell me they take a leap, and I'm sure that when they get older, they think that leap was one of the most important things they've done, because mm-hmm. they they leapt into life, really. There's a title for a book. They I'm leapt into leap. life. Yeah. And... uh and, and that is, that's what makes aging really work.
1: Wow. That's beautiful, and I think that's really very true because what it does is put you in the process and you begin to trust the process to carry you, like you get into a river and you yeah. can't push the river. Yeah. That's right. All right, Thomas, thank you so much for being on the show today. I've really enjoyed talking with you, and I love your book, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking to you perhaps again in the future so thank you I I am too
2: thank you very much Andrea it's always such a pleasure to talk to you
1: you too you too and we're going to be back again next week with more from Authentic Living and remember your job should you choose to accept it is to give birth to yourself
0: thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.